Hey guys, welcome to a new episode of the View Podcast. I'm Akshara, the head of customer marketing and growth at View.ai, and today's a pretty special episode for us. So our podcast guest is someone who's got a star-studded professional background and uh, someone who's actually been at that perfect intersection of fashion and technology. Meet Elisa Rossi, the CEO of Millionaire. Elisa was born and raised in Italy in a beach town that's actually the European hub of luxury shoe manufacturing. Uh, she then came to the U.S. as a scholar at UC Berkeley and started her career as an NLP engineer. She's also worked in business leadership positions at Apple and extensively with startups like Square, Eventbrite, and Yikya. We've also got Julia Dietmar, who's View.ai's chief product officer, and I'm super excited to be in conversation with the both of them today. Welcome, Elisa and Julia. Thank Hi. you. Thank you for having me. So, Elisa, before we start off, I would love for you to sort of paint us a picture of what Millionaire is all about. Absolutely. Well, uh, Millionaire is a platform uh, that enables Europe's top luxury manufacturers to sell direct to consumer for the first time. And it also enables um, a number of non-traditional collaborations between them and um, influencers and celebrities. So this is kind of uh, one of a secondary business model that we have going right now. But at our very core, we are uh, a shopping platform for custom-made, made-to-order, artisanal luxury goods. You've always mentioned that, you know, you're very excited to know about the origin and the story of an artisan partner. And, uh, you know, having built an entire business model based on this, what is it about the artisan story that really inspired you to start Millionaire? You know, because most luxury brands prefer, you know, not to publicize or talk about their supply chain. But how did you go about finding these artisans and were they open to participating and getting featured on the platform? Okay, so this is a great question. So thank you for asking. Uh, and it allows me to talk about so many things. Um, Obviously, this business is extremely personal to me uh, in that I was born and raised uh, uh, literally in uh, the one of the main uh, hub of luxury shoe manufacturing in Italy. You know, growing up in the middle of uh, the hustle and bustle of uh, luxury manufacturing workshops, I had like a few in the same block where my house was. Uh, I, you know, grew up shopping for luxury in a way that many people around the world didn't have access to which is literally walking into the luxury manufacturing workshop, introducing myself to the artisan, uh, building a relationship with them, uh, picking the leather, picking the things that I kind of, the way I wanted to personalize my luxury goods and just having uh, products custom made for me. And I was actually obsessed with this, with specifically with custom boots when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. uh, and my obsession with custom boots actually um, led me to a friendship with my current co-founder, uh, Serena Spinucci. Uh, Serena is currently living in Switzerland, but we grew up in the same hometown and we went to high school together. And we were both like custom boots, like fans. And we used to shop from the same uh, local manufacturer. So, you know, what happens when you emigrate, when you leave your country uh, and you live abroad for a long time? the way it happened to myself and Serena, is that you gain uh, new insights, right, on the value of your hometown because you get to see it from, from the outside looking in and you see what's missing in, uh, in, in your new found land and you see also what the opportunities are. And so I think for me it was clear uh, 14 years after landing in the United States that the experience, the 
to me, incredibly luxury experience of shopping straight from the source was missing or no one I knew here in the United States had experienced that. And every time I was telling the story of my upbringing in Italy would, uh, you know, just absolutely be fascinating to them. And so that's an opportunity. I immediately saw how democratizing access to luxury manufacturers in Europe could be uh, a successful business model uh, for a number of reasons, you know, like obviously consumer trends in the industry right now are calling for transparency, um, authenticity, uh, customization and um, affordability. And all of these things made perfect sense to me. I was like, yeah, that's the way I used to shop growing up. So yeah, it's literally like taking my childhood experiences and like democratizing it for everyone outside of Italy. Right. And can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, just the relationship that you're building with these artisans? Like, how is that process for you? How do you approach them? Uh, You know, what does it take to convince them to be on a platform like this? Uh, We started with Italy, obviously, because it's my hometown and because it is absolutely the cradle of of luxury manufacturing in the world. There are family-run businesses that have been doing this for decades. Uh, A lot of them started in the 1950s, 1940s. And, um, you know, they essentially became the de facto manufacturers for the main luxury names. So Chanel, Louis Vuitton, Bottega Veneta, Prada, you name it. They manufacture with these manufacturers in Europe. So um, it's known, it's a known fact in the industry that working with uh, these manufacturers is, uh, you know, usually challenging because, you know, these are people who perfected the craft and spend their whole life just focusing on making beautiful products. And so they didn't uh, obviously develop so much the business development skills, the language skills, the marketing skills uh, that you need in order to run a business and, uh, um, you know, uh, go after, go to market and go after customers. So when you approach them, obviously, um, relationships are very important. Um, Knowing how to speak to them in the right language with the right uh, attitude is extremely important. Knowing how to build a rapport with them is key. And, you know, Italy, like a lot of other countries in the world, is definitely uh, a place where business etiquette has a lot to do with personal relationships. So, um, you know, when I first came back from the United States a couple of years ago and tried to recruit the first few artisan partners, I was very American in my approach. I had a PowerPoint presentation and yeah. like, talking about business metrics and like the opportunity in the market and I felt like I lost the attention of a lot of manufacturers so I quickly kind of reminded myself of my Italian-ness you know and what it takes to build relationships in Italy and I changed my approach really quickly and now it's really about building a relationship and I think after you do that and they trust you and you become part of the family and, you know, you go for dinner with them and their family, literally like an amazing business uh, relationship opens up. And now we are at a point where we feel uh, we can literally uh, start any type of uh, kind of business collaboration with them because they're very open to uh, our support. They're very open to us um, kind of guiding them into new business opportunities. Right. You know, um, actually, before we started, obviously, Julia, we spoke a little bit about you shopping from a millionaire, in fact. Uh, so obviously, you know, you've been around the site. What do you feel is so compelling about millionaire's business model that makes it that makes the experience of shopping on millionaire so different? Oh, my gosh. Where do I start? 
Um, I think I think the good place to start is we are getting into the age where consumerism and buying a lot of quote unquote cheaper stuff is being realized as not good for environment. It's uh, overloading our closets. It's basically filling our landfills, right? Right. So this movement to getting um, at affordable luxury and uh, products that are more classic, that will last you a lifetime. And, and of course, the products that you can buy at a fraction of this huge ultra luxury brand names. Right. That is where the main attraction comes for me. So this is where, where my main attraction I'm, And I'm sure, Lisa, you probably have heard this from uh, your other customers. Um, my question to you is actually twofold. One is, have you had um, any pushback from those big brands in any way? Because you are basically approaching the same artisans. And then the second question is for artisans, how are they perceiving, this is completely new business model for them, right? They're basically going direct to consumer. They are now not only in the um, role of a manufacturer, but also somewhat in the role of a designer. How is it changing it for them? These are, these are great questions. So to the first question, um, no, there's no, absolutely no issues. We, don't call out the names of those brands in association with the name of the artisans. So that doesn't get in the way of any potential business contract between the manufacturer and the, and the luxury name. On top of that, very rarely do artisans sign exclusivity agreements with those brands. So they can work with other brands, other luxury brands, other startups, uh, like whoever they want to start engaging with. It's up to them. So there's absolutely no, there hasn't been any pushback or any issue uh, of any type. And we're doing everything like legally, everything is, is clean. Um, to the other question, actually, what uh, turns out is that I had no clue that the reception to this business model with luxury manufacturers in, uh, even in my hometown was going to be so positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, a lot of people actually discouraged us at the beginning from starting the business, saying that, well, these luxury manufacturers aren't going to have time to engage in new business models because they're very traditional people. They're very busy with big luxury brand work. And, uh, you know, they're just not very flexible, uh, which turned out to be not true at all. In fact, I think offshoring practices by the biggest luxury brands over the last 10, 15 years, I've definitely eroded um, business for everyone in a, a kind of traditional European luxury manufacturing industry right. and um, also created, well, created unemployment. So obviously uh, things that are in positive, but also things that are very positive, such as openness to doing things differently. Mm-hmm. So when we came in and we started pitching a collaboration with Milaner. If people were like, okay, yes, we are ready for this. You know, this is exactly what we were waiting for. And this is what we're ready to, uh, we're ready to get our name out there because getting our name out there and getting our story out there, well, first thing makes us proud 
and our name was never our story was never told by anyone and secondly it allows us to uh, make our business more sustainable and less dependent on the big luxury brands um you know just kind of eliminating that dependence business dependence on them so it was powerful and on top of that we asked them what do you love making and when you ask them that question as opposed to uh, showing up with very specific design mock-ups of things that you want uh, with a product manager trying to like micromanage you on executing on those designs. Well, the, the whole relationship and the whole attitude changes. They start showing us their favorite products, like their favorite techniques, their favorite, you know, the things that they've always made with pride because it's their favorite thing to make. And if you start your kind of product uh, planning with those things in mind, you will always come up with something that is very su- successful commercially because usually, right, you can see talent. You can see when something is made with love and is made with, you know, years and years and years of experience poured into it. Uh, but it's also something that makes them extremely uh, proud to be a part of this and, and to showcase their best work. So ultimately, it's really a win-win. That's a fantastic story. I know. Um, but I also, I also wanted to ask you a little bit about, you know, how the name Millionaire itself came up. Does it have like an interesting story that you can tell us about? Absolutely. So the name Millionaire comes from actually Millionaire. Uh, I guess it's an old English word that means a native of Milan, and uh, it's the word that Milliner comes from. So Milliner, which is the hat artisan. Uh, comes from Milaner because all of the best uh, hat artisans in the 1500s used to be from Milan. So it's really a word that embodies, you know, all luxury manufacturers. It is a hint to Italy, right, which has been like the cradle of luxury manufacturing for years. And um, yeah, and it's also um, a tribute to our very first uh, artisan partner, who was a milliner, uh, an Italian milliner who has their atelier in Paris. So it's a way, it's our way to celebrate her and inspiring us to, to do what we're doing. Wow. Fantastic. Um, so Elisa, you know, with brick and mortar stores focusing on experiential retail and personalized experiences, um, you know, e-commerce retailers should generally try to aim to improve the online experience for the consumer. And they should also be in touch with traditional retailers who know the craft, right? So how does... How do you see this story for Millionaire going forward? Do you do you want to hi- continue to highlight, um, you know, the artisans' work through different types of storytelling? How do you plan to do that? First and foremost, you know, I worked at a number of technology companies here in um, San Francisco, and um, you know, one of them is Square, and Square, you know, really was a pivotal point in my career because. We were building tools to empower small and medium-sized businesses grow their business and run their business. Right. And that, um, you know, when I think about that experience, I definitely see the the point where I was able to connect in the dots between uh, luxury manufacturers and my background, um, my Italian background, and where I want to be in the future. Right. So there's a big opportunity in literally creating offering tools, services, and a platform for luxury manufacturers to grow their business and to run their business. And it's even clearer as I, you know, start working with them, you know, in a more hands-on way. 
um, there's, you know, there's a number of services and tools right now that we're focusing on offering to them as part of us enabling them to sell direct to consumer for the first time. In, in the terms of services, there's merchandising, uh, there's product design, there's photography, uh, marketing, go-to-market, you know, different types of marketing channels. So we do that for them uh, so that we literally like allow them to focus only on the one thing they're supposed to be doing, which is making an amazing product. Um, and then, of course, then we offer technologies, right? And we offer a, a technology platform. And this is really kind of the, the, the area that for me, as someone who's worked in technology for so long and started as an engineer, is the, you know, extremely exciting. Experimenting with, you know, uh, intelligent retail automation is obviously one of the first things that, ex- that really excite me, excited me about getting into um, kind of the retail industry. Because it was not an industry I was familiar with, but I saw so many opportunities. And now you can like uh, slice different types of data um, shopping data and create amazing experiences kind of with that. So um, obviously for us, the challenge is how do we kind of take all of that data and all of that information and how do we use that? I think there are some extremely uh, powerful applications that we haven't even explored yet, but that we're going to. Um, and currently we're just starting with like, I think the, the basics, right, of using kind of AI uh, in kind of the, the retail uh, kind of world, uh, which is, you know, just kind of breaking down data, uh, analyzing data, uh, and understanding how to use it to both uh, enable personalization and personalized experiences for our customers who shop online, right? as well as informing merchandising decisions, which is currently actually a really important part of what we do, both for ourselves as a business, but also for the manufacturing. For the manufacturers so what 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 should we make what should we make more of and what should we make less of and this is data that we can uh you know easily um kind of learn about through ai and through the power of, of data uh, on our website i am very excited for um data specifically for you business Alyssa, because since everything is made to order and since designs are produced by your artisans you can even give them hints on which product attributes are being more or less um, favorited by your customers in a sense that you can say, all right, this bag in this color with this type of design details does better than something else and it all can come from data and on top of that you can basically give them for a bag if you put this product attributes together it's probably going to sell like hotcakes so things like that uh, for business like yours um, I think is super super powerful Absolutely. And actually, you know, it's it's been thanks to you guys that we kind of started our journey into AI. So, you know, talking to you, Julia, and really like brainstorming together, it was almost like, ooh, this is the real, this is the, the one of the most exciting conversations that I had in a long time. Cause um because yeah, because the opportunities are limitless. Right. 
You know, um, Elisa, you'd actually mentioned, uh, I think this is kind of piggybacking off the previous question, uh, which is, you know, you'd said we want to use technology to create a real bond between the artisan and the person who will eventually be owning the product, right? So um, in what way do you feel in the future that AI can help with these things in terms of just how the experience will be uh, for the end shopper? Oh, we have so many uh, ideas uh, on this front. And so many kind of different ways of, of using the data to create powerful experiences for a customer. Right. Uh, obviously, I would love to recreate, to like literally reenact my experience of walking into the, the luxury manufacturer workshop when, you know, I was in Italy and I could, you know, see that type of leather going with that uh, sweater, uh, going with the... So I think one of the things that I'm really excited about is being able to curate um, collections for 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 customers, um, and in a way that you know, as as you mentioned, everything is made to order on a website, so we can be extremely specific on uh, on the type of um, collections that we can create, and we can create things that perhaps if you were to shop online, um, just you know, off the shelf products, you will never be able uh, to to experience. So. I think um, I think in the future, and this is most certainly something we're working on. There's going to be um, applications where customers are almost going to feel like they're stepping into the artisan workshop, and they're having the artisan guiding them through, you know, how to uh, how to make something that's just specific for them, like where you feel like your uniqueness and your taste and your Everything about you is reflected in the style selection that you end up with. Well, obviously, I'm super excited about it, right? We're, we've been working on really perfecting individualization for every single customer. How do you put the right product in front of her that is in her style, fits her body perfectly, um, works with whatever else is in her closet? So this is something that... Um, um, I think uh, companies and, and businesses that produce um, breadth of, of, of uh, garments and clothing, but also something that can be very personalized and very much tailored to, to individuals' taste is super mm -hmm. important. Um, now, we've been also talking a lot about visualizations, and I know that... Um, a lot of our customers and a lot of investors have been asking and talking about virtual uh, fitting rooms and how how um, a customer uh, shopping online or even shopping in the mall without walking into a particular store can try on clothing virtually. Right. And um, this is something that is also super exciting. Um, it's not necessarily about actually trying things on and seeing it on your body, although eventually that might also be um, great when technology catches up. But right now, for me, is visualization of how a garment of a certain size looks on the body of that size um, is super powerful because we... We know that even, even handbags, right? Handbags are not size specific, but they sort of are just kind of seeing how the bag looks against the body because visualizing, is it a big bag, a small bag? It's right. just not, um, not super easy when you're just looking at the picture of a, of a handbag. Um, and then we, for one of our 
clients, when we started doing that, we learned that the back sales have not only increased, but returns have decreased, which is a big deal. So all of these things, uh, personalization, visualization, um, uh, curating individual collections for customers, I think this is where the future of retail is, um, is, is going to be um, headed. And, and we're already starting to see a lot of that being developed um, uh, and technology is definitely catching up. Um, Elisa, because you've been, you know, again, at that intersection of both tech and fashion, um, have you seen anything fantastic in the last, say, one year um, in terms of experiences or brands that have been doing something fantastic to go uh, sort of out of the box and do uh, something really cool online or offline? Uh, well, I mean, I guess a very, an extremely cool application that I've seen recently um, hasn't worked quite perfectly for me yet, but I think there's definitely a, a lot of um, room for improvement and it's exciting is AR. Uh, so the ability to really literally like point your phone at your feet and see what, you know, shoes look like on you that you're trying mm -hmm. to shop online or a hat in fact, that's extremely powerful. I'm thinking for something like a hat where, you know, it's so hard to shop online because it's hard to see kind of how we would fit with your kind of skin complexion or hair or right shape of your face. So being able to kind of use AR to get a glimpse of that and kind of pre kind of testing it uh, from your from the from your computer is really fun and, and really powerful for for, you know, online shopping experiences when I think about visualization I you know I keep thinking of all these digital models right like um, you know Nunuri who's on Instagram and she's a digital model and you know people visualize their outfits brands actually send Nunuri clothes and there's multiple other digital models so Julia what do you think about um, you know this whole trend of digital models in the future for visualization of how you know garments will look on people yeah, absolutely. Um, digital models are going to be very powerful for, for these visualizations because um, photography model, on-model photography is very expensive. Not only it's expensive, it's time-consuming. It's, um, uh, it's very expensive to get all uh, samples of clothing in every size and, and style each model and photograph so digitizing that whole process um, is going to be not only cost savings but uh, uh, for retailers, but also it will be very important in increasing intent to purchase and decreasing returns, as I said before, because visual visualization plays a very powerful role. And Inter interestingly, um, this morning I actually read an article about future in retail um, also being live streaming, which I thought was kind of interesting because, and I, and I um, uh, thought about um, you, Lisa, because mm -hmm. I just ordered the bag on your site and I'm like, well, I would, I'm kind of curious how they're actually making it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So this kind of live streaming, and I've seen kind of examples of it when you see your bag being made for you and that's actual bag that's going to be, that's, that's being made and then it's going to be shipped. And there are all kinds of applications of it that could be fun engaging for customers uh, make customers feel like they're part of the process and they're really connecting with that artisan i think that could be extremely interesting 
We have days of footage of Serena and I uh, with our partners in the workshop, like, you know, just taking videos of, of, you know, the bags being woven or, you know, just like how you make a sweater. So we have a lot of that and we're still trying to figure out the best way of surfacing it so that you can really feel like it's authentic, you know? And I think like social media is just the best way, um, of really surfacing this content. Yeah. Um, I think we got to a point where like a lot of fashion brands are over editing everything about their customer experience. Right. And, you know, everything just looks so incredibly photoshopped and perfect and gorgeous and polished. But I think we are slowly but surely going into an era where people do crave realness, you know, connection to things that are real, connection to, uh, things that are not as edited they're just like unfiltered and and I think like just literally shooting from like going live from an artisan workshop is uh, the kind of the the, the, the most uh, extreme example of that that's actually pretty amazing um you know Elisa I was uh, reading an article actually on Financial Times the other day about how you know personalization has become extremely important as much of a buzzword as it may be, um, you know, that's something that's really driving luxury in fashion currently. Uh, and since you're a luxury business itself, there's something that's so personal and beautiful about luxury that makes a shopper feel like they own something that's just customized for them. Is there anything you guys do in terms of product customization? So, I mean, currently we lack customers customize their products in a number of ways obviously not completely redesigning a product but you know, we have a very direct relationship with our customers I call myself almost like the chief customer officer because I spend more time doing customer service and talking to customer than anything else um, and you know they request all sorts of things obviously from sizing so being able to have you know extremely large feet there's a lot of requests for like large sizing um, to monogramming, to having their name uh, hand stitched in gold in the inside of a hat. To so, and we do all of this. Like we make uh, leather jackets to order uh, to your specs. So just like taking into account your unique measurements, and and all of these things obviously go a long way in uh, uh, differentiating us, but also reminding people about you know our brand and why why we do what we do and creating that unique connection so so yeah i think like the the the, the artisan unique signature really is the product and the technique used in making that product so there's an artisan who specializes in making amazing woven leather handbags which i think is the one that julia purchased mm-hmm. um and other artisans who specialize in other things there's one who makes incredible handmade uh driver's moccasins right. and these moccasins have like a signature shape in a signature style. And that is the shape and the style that they perfected over 40 years. So, you know, when you purchase something from them, you literally have the best in class when it comes to that product category. You know, um, and the things like the things you were saying, like customizing, um, uh, customizing details right down to, uh, you know, names and stitching it all the way inside a hat. Now, when you start having a lot more, um, artisans on your platform and you have a lot more customers shopping um it's going to be 
it would it could be challenging to do this at scale right and that's where something like ai comes in and helps you do this for multiple people across uh, you know across the board so can you tell us a little bit about you know how how you've been using ai or how you've been deploying it across your website and how that's impacted customer experience on your website well so right now we're doing two main things right so on one hand we have uh, personalized recommendations so Every time someone is shopping for something specific, we look at right what's happening in terms of like where they're clicking and what they're searching for. And that's the type of products that we recommend to them, right? We recommend everything around the type of product attributes that they seem to be going after. So that at the moment, that is the main application of, of AI on our website, but we're obviously like planning on introducing many more. Uh, mm-hmm. We're already working with you guys on visual- visualization which, you know, obviously is something that we're going to roll out more and more because being able to visualize things for a customer is the best way of making the best possible shopping decision, right? So uh, even if you're purchasing something that's super customized, being able to have a preview of what it would look like, of what a monogram would look like, of what, you know, a certain uh, type of leather jacket would look like made with certain parameters provided by the customer, and so on and so forth. So I think moving forward, this will be uh, extremely powerful for us because, yeah, I mean, we're we're still a small business, so we're still um, able to do a lot of things manually, but we'll have to, you know, figure out how to scale customization and how to scale, um, you know, our ability to uh, empower our customers with the kind of the, the best tools to customize our products. Fantastic. I think we've uh, sort of come to the end of our podcast. So I just wanted to do like a very quick rapid fire with you, Elisa. So they're just very like short answers. The first thing that comes to your mind, basically. So what's your favorite uh, social media platform and why? Uh, So, I mean, I guess currently I'm spending a lot of my time on Instagram and Facebook for business reasons. However, um, LinkedIn is probably the one that has created the most um, serendipity and real life connections for me. So I'm going to go with LinkedIn. Great. Um, And what's your current favorite uh, artist or song that you've been playing on loop? Oh, so hands down, Lady Gaga. (laughs) I think her live performances are breathtaking. And she's like one of the most ridiculously talented artists that we've had over the last uh, 10 years. Um, She has a couple of Sting tributes on YouTube that are just an incredible show of like raw talent and soul. And I just can't get enough of them. One of them is a cover of uh, King of Pain and the other one is a cover of If I Ever Lose My Faith. It's so good. I highly recommend it. Fantastic. Um, What is the one retail trend or buzzword that you think is just totally overused? Well, funny to say this, but I think it is personalization because I agree. Now, <laughs> somehow lost its meaning, you know, like uh, I think a lot of people use it without actually providing anything that's r- a real experience or a real personalization to the customer. And I think right now online, we're just overwhelmed with experiences that often are not personalized. And so when you hear that so often and your experience online, uh, I don't know, doesn't align with that, you know, it, it just definitely just feels like the, the word has lost a bit of, a, of its meaning. Um, 
the best brand in the world that you think uh, you know all of us should aspire to or something that really inspires you of course i'm biased but made in italy is the world's uh, um, third most valuable brand after coca-cola and visa so i mean and this is all about what i'm doing so i mean it you know, I could not give you a different answer, clearly. But Made in Italy is a brand that's made of um, products, lifestyle, food, and places um, that are recognized and sought after abroad. And this brand is supported by a culture of people who love to make just beautiful and tasty things and who are proud of what they make and of how they live. Uh, and it's through their standards and our work that the brand stays at the top year after year. So I would say that's absolutely something every brand uh, should be aspiring to. Thank you so much. This was a brilliant, really, really amazing podcast. There's so much energy. I'm so happy. <laughs> Same. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.